Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. 407 on a Friday. The Sports Cage brought to you by Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Derek Taylor, Sean Kleisinger. All Wisconsin, all the time. <laughs> you like my attire? Looking forward to your Bucks getting back into action tomorrow night. First, uh, first uh, time back since the All Star game. I think we got the Brooklyn Nets. I probably should know who we're playing. I think it's Nets tomorrow. The All Star game was Sunday. Like they have had the entire week off. Hey, they're champs. You got to give That's, the champs some time. To be fair, that is the way it goes. We have a ton to talk about in this show. Four thirty. We're giving away big bucks in Chase the Ace. Uh, this is the one hour of the week where tickets are not available on sale. If the jackpot is not won today, starting at 5 o'clock, get back in. Get your tickets at Riderville.com. 5.05, it is the great Luke Mullinder. This was going around on Twitter today. Willie Jefferson of the Bombers said, what are the three big priorities for the collective bargaining agreement and negotiations to come? I have some thoughts on that. We'll get Mullinder's take on that. But what are the three big priorities for the new collective bargaining agreement? Sarah Orleski on the Jets. I feel like the Jets are now done in the playoff chase, which is weird when they're only six points out. Starting to get those vibes, though. I know what you mean. Yeah, three-game losing streak to the Oilers, Flames, and Dallas Stars at a bad time for them. We'll talk about that with Sarah Orleski and Aaron Korolnik at 6.05. The odds have been out, and they continue uh, on for futures bets in the Canadian Football League. Who's going to win the Grey Cup? We're going to step through which is the best futures bet. Would you lay money on the riders at the price they're being offered? It's not who's going to win the Grey Cup. It's what wager on a team to win the Grey Cup would you take. On this day, February 25th, would you take the Bombers at 2.5-1 to one to win the Grey Cup? No. <laughs> Hell no. Are the Red Blacks still pretty... 18-1 to 1 for the Red Blacks. That is a great bet. Any team in February at 2.5-1, to 1, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. No, you don't. We'll get Aaron Karolnik's take on it. What about the Elks? Elks are 10-1. to 1. BC Lions, all those signings, 12-1. to 1. We'll go through uh, the CFL and some future bets coming up on the cage. The text line, the phone line, 306-936-6262. Out of town, one 866 The text line... Powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. Russia invading Ukraine continues on. You've been watching the news. You've been hearing Jeff Richards talk about it. Blaine Weiland this morning. Uh, the guys in the newsroom have been talking about it. We finally got to hear from Alex Ovechkin about it. A very well-known uh, friend of Putin. Did not speak to the media yesterday. Spoke today and sat through all the questions that were asked, and he was asked the right questions about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Here is Ovi. Obviously, it's a hard situation. Um, you know, um, I have lots of friends in Russia and uh, Ukraine, and it's hard to see uh, the war. Like, I hope uh, soon it's going to be over and um, there's going to be uh, peace in the whole world. Do you support Russia's invasion of Ukraine? Um, like I'm Russian, right? Um, sometimes, like some some something I can control, you know, it's not in my hands. Um, how I said, like I hope it's gonna end soon and uh, it's gonna be uh, peace in uh, both countries and uh, you know, um, 
I don't I don't control this one. Alex, uh, specific to uh, President Putin, you've shown your support for him in the past. You know, you have pictures. We've seen the pictures of you with him. Do you still support him as he leads this invasion of Ukraine? Well, he's uh, my president. Um, but how I said, like I'm not in politics. Like I'm an athlete. And um, you know, um, how I said, uh, hope is everything is going to be done soon. Um, you know, um, you know, it's. Uh, uh, it's a hard situation right now for uh, both sides, and uh, um, everything, like how I said, everything I hope uh, is going to be end. And um, I'm not control uh, uh, this situation. That is Alexander Ovechkin speaking of Russia I- invading Ukraine. It's my initial reaction is it's not perfect. But he did speak. Singer, yeah. you you banged your head against the microphone. You can, I understand like where he's, it's tough spot for him because like Putin's a good friend of his, but like he, he didn't straight, straight out say like, no, I'm like, I'm, I'm not for this. It's like, you know, he, he shied away from the reality that everyone else here in the Western world thinks, oh, it's completely ridiculous. Said I have friends in both countries and I hope for peace in the world. But then he doesn't say that. You know, he's like against what's happening. And then, you know, and just because he's your president doesn't mean you need to be supporting what the president is doing. Right. And that's an interesting line, especially where we've been in our North American politics in the last 15 years or whatever. Oh, it's not my prime minister. That previous guy, he wasn't my prime minister. None of them are my prime minister. That's not my president in the States, right, on both sides of that. Like, oh, disavowing that guy. I wonder if he's my president is just a thing within Russian culture that hasn't been beaten out of them like it has been in Can- Canadian or American culture. I wonder about that, but uh, uh, he he used the line, right, I'm not a politician, I'm an athlete. It's like, well, when you were hugging up on Putin, talking political stuff... You came pretty close to that line there. Yeah. So I don't know that I love that you you just went with the I'm an athlete. Hands up, I'm ignorant to everything that's going on. Uh, my opinion doesn't matter. Well, except for all the other times. I was, I'm, like you said, I'm glad he spoke. But at the end of the day, I still, I, I feel kind of dirty still listening to it. I don't feel like it. I feel like uh, he's doing his best not to. You know, to try to keep his friendship maybe intact with Putin. He doesn't want to, you know, I, I guess you can understand. You don't want to say bad things about Putin <laughs> right now, right? I could believe that, yeah. So um, it's just, uh, you know, just because he's your president, just because he's your leader, it's like the same, like, if you're a player on a ho- hockey team or whatever and, like, he's your coach, it doesn't mean, like, you can't, like, criticize your coach right but well, at this, but at the same time if you criticize your coach i guess maybe there will be repercussions from that right like in in our country right we we have people who drive around with signs on their vehicles that say f trudeau like the full the word but the u is a canadian flag yeah because there's there are no repercussions to do in that right you're you're not going to you're not going to face any real consequences from law enforcement or the government if you do that we have the abs- that's that's a freedom of speech thing that we get here in Canada. I honestly, I don't know if it's the same, yeah. right? Um, they were people who were protesting the war in St. Petersburg. A lot of arrests getting hauled off left and right. You go, okay, well, and this this is one of the parts where 
I have to give some sort, some kind of understanding to Ovechkin. Yeah. They may have, as Connie in Cooks Creek says, BS answers. Yeah, there's a real, real BS factor in there. Uh, Arash Madani yesterday saying that Ovi, his family, would be absolutely safe because he's the biggest athlete Russia has. Okay, Arash knows the situation better than I do. I, I do not. I would not feel comfortable if I had any financial or family interest in Russia or someplace Russia was overseeing, I would not feel safe criticizing it's true by any stretch. So I I kind of I kind of get it, but the I'm an athlete, just I'm not a politician, I'm an athlete. It rings a little hollow when you when you hug up quite so close uh, to a guy. He's my president. Maybe that's a Russian thing that we do not have here any longer. Right? That used to be a thing with it, but nope, nope, that ain't the one anymore. I don't control this one. Factually true. He did not tell Russia to invade Ukraine. I want peace in the whole world. Okay. Can he do anything about that? I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, how closely does Putin want to be aligned with Ovechkin? How would it be if Ovechkin all of a sudden joined Pussy Riot and started protesting him? I don't. At least he spoke. At least he spoke today. Hard situation on both sides. Uh, I, w- I kind of wish he took that one, but he didn't say that one. It's mm-hmm. a hard situation on both sides. Yeah, when someone rolls tanks over top of you, it is pretty hard for us. You're Good call, Ovi. Thanks, yeah, buddy. That one, I was like, oh. Yeah. You, when, when you talk, you're going to say something that doesn't come out like you intended it to, right? So... I can kind of give him a pass on that. He was very clearly uh, had thought about what he was going to say and thought about how much he was going to say, presuming he he uh, consulted with you know the professionals in the Capitals organization. But he he spoke, and honestly, that's is that is that more than you thought you would hear, less than you thought you would hear, or about what you thought you would hear from Ovechkin when he finally spoke. To be honest, I wasn't really. I wasn't really sure what to expect, uh, like when he was about to speak. Like last couple of days, I was thinking about it. Like, what what's he gonna say? But then when you hear it, after you hear it, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, that's kind of probably what I expected. If that makes any sense, like, it, it, I, it's just a tough position for him to be in, man. Like, like you said, like that's a wow. completely different world over there, and like, I can't imagine being in that in that position where, you know. I don't know where you've hugged up with what's essentially a dictator. Would I say the <laughs> Would I say the same thing? Would I, you know, like it, like I think it's like a lose lose situation for Ovi in a way because you can you can you, yep. on one hand you could totally be against Putin and say a bunch of things against Putin and then you got to sit back and you know deal with what you have to deal with the repercussions from that. Yep. Or you can you know be for him. And then you got to deal with the repercussions. Like it's not a, it's a situation where you got to kind of, you know, balance on the line. And that's yeah. kind of like what he did, right? That's the only thing that he could probably do to make his life and his family feel as safe as possible. Well, and and we all get into these situations on a much smaller scale, but we all get into these situations where we have friends and we like them and they're good people to us, but they may not be good people to everybody in the world right they might mm-hmm. be bad people and you're like well 
But to me, this person is super, does these great things, and but then there's all that going on, and you don't know necessarily how to balance that. And then, oh, by the way, you're dealing with one of the most powerful people in the world, and one of the richest people in the world, and you're trying to make your way in your own world, and you wish you'd never gotten too involved in that. I guess maybe don't campaign politically for a guy is probably the way to go in the future. Yeah. Don't, don't do campaigns. Uh, take a photo with him. Hey, he's my president. Of course I took a photo with him. Maybe don't uh, be like the chairman of his election campaign anytime soon. Maybe like imagine, change- imagine doing that in this country no. if Connor McDavid uh, stood with one politician or another in any sort of campaign. You're, you're painted forever, yeah. right? And there is a certain faction of people who will be like, you're, you're the worst. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you're with him. I can't believe you're with her. That's where you get into some problems. So I, I suspect there's some... In and around the war itself, there's some real lessons to be learned about uh, what you can do and what you can't do as an athlete. And Alexander Ovechkin is is reaping what he's sowing, what he's sown right now. And it's uh, it's uncomfortable, but he did speak today after presumably consulting with his uh, with his team and. At least change your profile picture, though, on Instagram, right? Well, that would send a message, too, though, right? 1.6 million people follow him on Insta and see him standing next to Putin. If he changes that, what does that mean? It's true. Like, Kyler Murray unfollowed the Arizona Cardinals and deleted all but two pictures. And that was a big story for a day. Imagine what... What if he just deactivate the account? Oh, I wouldn't be on Insta. Yeah, don't go on Instagram for a while. No, just do not do that. You can sell hockey sticks at a later time. It's uh, it's an uncomfortable spot yeah. to be in. 421, Chase the Ace at 430. Rob Vanstone of the Leader Post has a neat column, the top 10 riders quarterback flops. Does Paxton Lynch really deserve to be on that list? Hit me on the text line at 306-936-6262, powered by Capital GMC, Buick Cadillac. Chasey Ace, bottom of the clock in the cage. Afternoon rush at 426. The Riders have signed American defensive lineman Miles Brown. And uh, also alongside that, American defensive back Josh Nurse also coming to Ryanerville. Nurse was signed by the Baltimore Ravens as an undrafted free agent in 2020. And then he went on to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he suited up for two regular season games there. Miles Brown was signed by the Arizona Cardinals as an undrafted free agent in 2019, and he suited up for nine regular season games, making four tackles. And the International Olympic Committee, uh, Committee rather, urged sports bodies Friday to cancel or move all events they plan to hold in Russia and Belarus, and to stop using the country's flags and national anthems. The quest from the Olympic body came after UEFA moved the Champions League final from St. Petersburg to Paris. DT. 4-26. Three games in three nights for the Regina Pats coming. Yeah, big one tonight. Zinger in full effect tonight for the Pats at Edmonton Oil Kings. 8 o'clock puck drop. So 7.35. Dante DiCario will be on there. The Pats signing forward Raiden Zacharias, their fourth-round pick from the Prospects draft. Uh, he will slide into the lineup tonight. No rest for the young man. <laughs> Get in there. You've been ripping it up for the Saskatoon Blazers? Yep. Welcome to the dub. This is going to be a tough game, tough first game from Edmonton has the best home record in the whole WHL I read today. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a tough game. But uh, hopefully the pass can just uh, keep it close 
And uh, so it's not guaranteed win night by any means, DT. So uh, yeah. it's a guaranteed try your best night. Yeah, they'll work their butts off night. Yeah, work your butts off night, and then uh, let's get this Alberta road trip off to a good start. And then we got uh, Red Deer and then Calgary Yeah, before they go all the way back to take on the Brown and Wheat Kings on, I think, on Wednesday. Hoy. So that's a, this is a rough road stretch because you, you got to go through all the Alberta teams outside of, except Lethbridge, of course, but then you got to go across province yeah. to, to Brandon before going back to the Brand Center, by the way, like two days after that. So it's going to be a tough one. But, uh, yeah, it's a note the start time tonight. It's a 8 p.m. start and a pregame show, like you said, DT, 7.35. So. As long as they cleaned up that giant bang-up of vehicles near what Brand, between Brandon and Verdon yesterday. I saw pictures of that on the Twitter up. box. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, as long as that's 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 hard, man. Yeah. The three and three, and then oh hey, oh wave wave to your home guys, and then just keep bombing down to Brandon. Oh, I would hate it's a that. hard life. I would hate having to go through the Alberta and then having to go through the whole province of Saskatchewan. Yeah, and then plus like how many hours? Two two more hours once again to right? Manitoba to Brandon. At least hit Swifty on the way back, and then do a home game, uh, and then go to Brandon, yeah. Winnipeg. That's a tough one. I I assume when they're making schedules like this is very intentional on. The dubs part. Hey, you're in Alberta. Just do three and three and call it a day. Yeah. Uh, schedule making. Maybe my next career is schedule making <laughs> because that, that would be a lot of uh, a lot of fun trying to figure out how to piece that all together. But Pats, 735, Dante DiCario with the pregame show. Puck drop at 8 o'clock. Pats and the Edmonton Oil Kings. It is 429. Rob Vanstone in about 15 minutes next. We draw this week's winner in Chase the Ace. We could give them $50,000 right here on the cage. Did I do the pointing right, Mosh? Did I point properly? God, John, I'm a good pointer. Did yeah, you see how well that went? The timing was on so impeccable. <laughs> very, very pointy. And consult the doctor about that. It's uh, uncomfortable in spots. John Alverson of the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation is with us. Chase the ace. This close to 60 grand. Oh, we were grand dang prize. close. We were really dang close. But if you add the two, we're, we're over 60, so I'm still happy. But, yeah, we were really close to that 60,000 overall pot this week. This week's winner will take home at least $3,871 in the weekly prize. The grand prize, if they draw the Ace of Spades, $59,892. How about we get a winner and then we can chit-chat? Let's do it. Oh, it's spinning. Here we go. Oh, it's happening. Very small town winner, Winyard. Oh, I love Winyard, yeah. yes. Gary Finson. Gary Finson of Winyard. Very cool. I was in Winyard a couple years ago. Oh, there you go. Got in a horrific snowstorm on <laughs> that way and had to park on the highway. Did I Gary go, help you out or what? He may well have. <laughs> Gary may have been driving the truck that I ended up following uh, to the good folks at Southwest Terminal where we stayed for, gosh, we must have been there for five hours or so watching replays of Hockey Night in Canada. There's worse ways to spend nights then. Yeah, that's. That, <laughs> I mean, that's fair. To check out some replays. Monty from Southwest Terminal just cracked open the uh, vending machine and let me ha have at it with all with everything in the vending machine there. So we were pretty happy about that. But uh, gosh, sixty grand every every little milestone, right? And mm -hmm. as the jackpot rises. Yeah. No. We're again. We're happy to see that 
We're still moving on up. Uh, people are obviously getting more and more excited as that pot gets bigger. Um, really looking forward to once it hits that six-digit number because I remember last year that we played, that's when people really took notice. Well, and that's the thing. We we Not everybody loves numbers, but we all acknowledge round numbers, right? When exactly. When it hits 25, 50, 100, 250, 500, when it got to 600 grand last, last time out. And it... The the weekly prize is back a, a little bit for oh gosh what are we week uh, fourteen I just had to do a quick count of thirteen <laughs> cards there uh, but still when I look at the weekly prize thirty eight hundred seventy one dollars that Gary's going to win I think oh, okay well since it's a half and half kind of deal that's a lot of money going to a great cause no absolutely it is I mean we're certainly excited because we got some great projects going on in twenty twenty two one of those being our mental mental wellness project that a majority of the funds are going to as well as amateur football of course that we're still supporting um but yeah twenty twenty two is looking like a big year for the foundation and every every weekly purchase helps with that goal that we have of just helping the Saskatchewan youth uh, Gary Finson of Winyard is our winner zingers attempting to get him on the line he'll make three calls to Gary will zinger and if he gets him on the line he'll have a chance to draw a card if not. I will do the drawing for him, and there's some good numbers uh, left there. Uh, you mentioned mental wellness project that you guys have working. What, what can you tell us about that? You know what? We're still kind of in the phases of wrapping up the planning stages, but essentially we're going to be going into schools all over Saskatchewan. We want to make sure that um, as kids have basically gone through this pandemic, there's no greater need than now that mm -hmm. they need some support, right? And so we're really excited to be putting together some toolkits just to make sure that they'll always have the support that they need, um, whatever struggles that they're going with through. Perry just hit me up on uh, Twitter. I was in Weimark. No, oh, I've never been. I've never been to Weimark. Perry, thank you for that. You're absolutely right. I feel, I feel like a Melvin right now. Uh, Gary Finster of Winyard. Gary, it, tell me about Winyard. Is it a nice place? Do I need to come see it? Uh, Winyard is a very nice place. Uh, you might want to wait till um, a warmer month. Uh, we've got lots of snow here, and it's very cold. So I suggest that you come sometime at the end of June. Okay, I like that. I like that. All right. Uh, Gary, congratulations. You're our winner in Week 15 of the Saskatchewan Rough Fighter Foundation Chase the Ace. Uh, you're going to take home at least $3,871. Oh, all right. Sounds good. All right, and you'll have a chance to draw a card for the grand prize jackpot, which is just shy of sixty thousand dollars. How does sixty grand sound? Oh, that sounds just great. All right. Do you know how Chase the Ace works? Uh, yeah, I actually run Chase the Ace in Winyard. Oh, perfect. It's a pro. This will be great. Then I'll just have you give me a number between one and fifty-two, and we will cross our fingers that you draw the Ace of Spades. Okay, let's try thirty-eight. Number thirty-eight is available. All right. Gary Finson of Winyard drawing envelope number 38. John will crack it open. And if it contains the Ace of Spades, $59,892. In addition to the weekly prize. In addition. All right. Here we go. The paper is open. The card is it's the Queen of Diamonds. Oh, oh. Gary, you've drawn the Queen of Diamonds. That's okay. I'll just keep trying. There you go. We like that. You you still get $3,871. Someone will reach out and, and make sure you get a very nice check uh, to help you uh, as we turn into March. Get rid of some of that snow you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right, Gary. Well, we'll see you in June then, my friend. I'll come knocking. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Gary Finson of Winyard uh, is our winner in this week's Chase the Ace. So 
15 down, and still the jackpot lives on. Mm-hmm. Going into week 15 next week, and who knows? It can go anytime now. Very, very good. All right. Well, how do I get in? Starting at 5 o'clock, I can jump back in getting tickets. How do I get them, John? That's correct. You can jump in at riderville.com slash foundation chase the ace, and you can get your tickets there. Um, you can find ticket purchases from any of our foundation social media pages, and we're shooting e-blasts out usually two times a week where people can can get the link through there as well. I also see, I find I get them little text messages as well. Which text is messages happy. too, yep. Yeah, yeah, especially for the big numbers. We love to promote that when we hit those round numbers like we talked about i love it one for 10 10 for 25 10 for 25 yeah 50 for 50 200 for 100 dollars. you don't even need me to come in anymore you got this show on on your own you're good to go well i was saying 10 for 20 for a few <laughs> weeks at the beginning there so now i've now i've been corrected uh riderville.com the place to go yeah you can and oh by the way subscriptions are available too so you never forget that's exactly right when you're purchasing if you're afraid that you're going to forget the following week make sure you can hit the subscribe button and you'll be covered week over week for however many tickets you want to select to get very good those go back on sale at five o'clock they're on sale through till next Friday at 4 p.m. And we'll be back here to draw a winner at 4.30 next Friday. Oh, that jackpot's going to be well over 60 grand by that point. That'll be all right. I sure hope so. (laughs) John, thank you, my friend. (laughs) Appreciate it. It is... 437. This segment of the show for our friends at Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. Rob Vanstone of the Regina Leader Post next with the top 10 quarterback flops in Riders history. The debate will begin next. All right, 441 with the sports ticker. The Calgary Flames saw their extended win streak extinguished in dramatic fashion Thursday with a lopsided 7-1 loss to the Vancouver Canucks. The Flames now, they're going to be hosting the Minnesota Wild on Saturday in the first game of a home-and-home. And And, uh, DT Sean Avery's pro hockey comeback didn't last very long. The ECHL's Orlando Solo Bears, Solar Bears, Tongue Twister Bears, released uh, Avery from his contract on Friday. And hey, there's a game tomorrow night at the Sastel Center in uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. The Saskatchewan Rush are taking on the Colorado Mammoth, and I got some tickets for you if you want to head out to the game tomorrow. Give me a call right now. 306-936-6262. Toll-free 866-767-0620. A pair of tickets to see the Rush and Colorado Mammoth tomorrow night at the Sastel Center. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. May have a chance to meet Clayton Croker at that rush game. That is correct. Saskatoon sports icon. He's at all those events. He, he loves beats it. Durant in events. We're never going to let that one die, though. No, that never. one. That one will live for that was not a quarterback flop. Neither Clayton nor Darian Durant. But Rob Van Stone, Regina Leader Post, has his top ten quarterback flops in a column today. Uh Rob, one, thank you for being with us, brother. Pleasure, Kirk. Uh two, what uh, what led you to this column? Well, Paxton Lynch got cut. <laughs> okay. So so I started thinking, oh, okay, well, where does he rank or does he rank on, on the list of uh, all-time quarterback flops? So I have to find a place for him. Otherwise, I have no, I have no premise. There we go. So, All right. So it, full... I admit that it was, it was a bit cheesy, but hey. I'm a sports writer. What do you, you exactly expect uh, 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 the, the greatest of, of uh, insights uh, in terms of uh, intellectual 
pursuits when you're when you're reading a sports column sometimes. So I, I took I, I basically just boiled it down to the basics and wrote some schlock. Hey, this, I mean this is the kind of stuff that that I love as a writers fan, right? It's debate and it's history and it's stuff like that. Um, it, full disclosure, you're a you're a dyed in the wool Broncos fan, yes? Yeah, um, the so, word dyed seems to have fit lately, considering the. <laughs> a stretch of seasons uh, without a playoff spot, but honestly, I'm not even sure that that influenced it that much. If I'd been truly bitter, I probably would have moved him up the list. But uh, I, I've seen, you know, yeah, Paxton Lynch didn't work out, Teddy Bridgewater didn't work out, Jeff Flacco didn't work out, Trevor Simeon didn't work out, yeah, etc. So I'm, he's just one of one of several. Yeah, Kyle Orton. Oh. Just, I just want to put that out there, and as the conversation goes along, people will say, okay, I think that might have factored in, too, because Paxton, of course, was a, a late first-round pick of the Broncos who ended up here in Saskatchewan. So from 10-1, uh, to 1, Tom Clemens, Major Harris, Don Allard at, at 8, Tony Rice at 7, Paxton Lynch you have at 6, and he's the first one we'll discuss, Homer Jordan, Joe 747 Adams at 4, Todd Ressing at 3, Pat Sullivan at 2, and Vince Young at the number one spot. Uh, let's go to Paxton Lynch at number six. I think this is harsh, but give me your give me your reason for why he's the sixth biggest Riders QB flop of all time. Well, I think the fact that what I tried to take into consideration was hype versus production, or what did it pan out? So you're talking about a first round NFL draft choice, which which I think the fact that he just that he signed here because Suddenly, it's it's. There was a story in the New York Post on Paxton Lynch signing with the Saskatchewan Roughriders last year, and there was a story in the New York Post when he got released by the Saskatchewan Roughriders. So suddenly, when when something that the Roughriders do attracts that much attention, I think that puts him in position to be a flop. Now, in fairness to him, and you pointed it out yesterday very accurately on the podcast, the Ryder Rumblings podcast that we did for the Leader Post, he never really got a chance to play here. But I keep going back to the words of, of your uh, colleague, Luke Molander, who said many times, and I hope I'm paraphrasing it correctly, the best ability is availability. And by the end of the season, Paxton Lynch didn't make himself available. And he could have nabbed a roster spot, as it turned, yep. it turned out. And uh, it didn't happen. So that provided me with, a, I think, a thin enough justification for, for putting Paxton Lynch on the, on the list and therefore yeah. having a uh, 1,000 word explosion like I did. <laughs> I love it. Well, because there was no, in the first 13 games of the season, there was no chance Paxton Lynch was going to play, right? No. no. Um, and, I mean, we never even saw him in the preseason because there wasn't a preseason. So, yeah. I, I took all that into consideration by putting him down, putting him number, number six. I mean, <laughs> I think had he, uh, had it been more, had there been more of an opportunity and he had an opportunity to play poorly and therefore elevate himself uh you know there it would have been i think fair to, to move him up but it's still a first round nfl draft choice that did have some hype coming up here and then oh yeah you know and like, look look good in training camp like he, he made some nice throws in training camp and he watched him and went this guy that's an nfl arm okay this looks all right i wonder what this would look like and there was i never know i never really understood it rob but there were a lot of people who would ask me is paxton is paxton lynch gonna play that 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 was a real thing people wanted paxton lynch to get some reps and look at the situation now Derek. i mean at one point he was under contract with the rough riders through this season and 
had, you know, not, you can't be, can't be sure of this, but had that vaccination situation not come about, uh, maybe, maybe there, there were fires would have had more interest in, in retaining him. And now they're in a situation where Isaac Harker is no longer here. They don't have a proven backup. But I think Paxton Lynch would have been a really intriguing number two behind Cody Fajardo. And uh, now, I mean, they, by the end of the season, Mason Fine was the was the second quarterback on the Rough Riders depth chart. And, I mean, that was a player virtually un- untested except for a few snaps in Hamilton mm-hmm. in the regular season finale. So, I mean, I think there was an opportunity there that was lost due to circumstances. I, I think a lot of people have asked me recently, what about Paxton? This is before he was cut, obviously. Do the Rough Riders have plans for Paxton Lynch? And... I'd be a lot more comfortable with the Rough Riders' backup quarterbacking situation right now if Paxton Lynch was still part of the picture. Uh, and I wonder what that final game in Hamilton would have looked like. Isaac Harker won Mason Fine too because the Riders said, yeah, Paxton's not vaccinated, so we're not going to take him with us because he won't be able to play in the playoffs, essentially. If Paxton had gotten into that game, what might have been uh, is uh, is an interesting question. Uh Okay, so okay, I kind of get why you why you have him there at number six. I need to take I need to take uh, take issue with the man you have at number one, Rob Van Stone of the Regina Leader Post, with us. Uh, Vince Young is your number one Riders QB bust all time. Defend yourself, Van Stone. Well, I mean, you look at the reputation that he had coming up here. I mean, there was there was a player who led a, led the Texas Longhorns to the national championship. Was a very high draft choice in the National Football League. It started in the National Football League for a number of years. And they had a press conference to announce his signing. Lee Steinberg, his, his agent, was here. He held up the number eight Rough Rider jersey. And that was at a time, too, when there was some uncertainty about the Rough Riders quarterbacking situation because it wasn't even two months removed or barely two months removed from the trading of Darian Durant to Montreal. So, yeah, the Riders had signed Kevin Glenn right after that. and Brandon Bridge was still part of the equation. But they weren't really... Going into the even going into training camp that year, there was I don't think anybody was absolutely certain that Kevin Glenn was going to be the guy, and so that was about as there was a, I think there was a legitimate question when when Vince, Vince Young signed and going into camp about can he can he get that mojo back that he demonstrated in college and early in his NFL career could he actually be the guy mm-hmm. and then one hamstring injury in, in a training camp scrimmage, and he was gone. Sports Illustrated wrote about him while he was here. Wow. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was, Vince a, it was Young, a big yeah. deal. Sports Illustrated uh, sent Greg Bishop up to Saskatoon to interview Vince Young at training camp. And uh, so there was all that, and then suddenly he tweaks a hamstring in the in the green and white game and is gone. So yeah. when you compare the hype to the nothingness that occurred <laughs> yeah. in the spring of, of, of 2017, that that one, that one was actually one of my easier choices. Yeah, Vince Young was might be the best college football player of the 2000s that we've seen so far. He was unbelievable at the time. By the time he got to Saskatchewan, he had not taken a snap in the NFL for six years. So I was watching this from afar and thought, oh, so this is just a publicity play. He has zero chance of ever playing in a CFL team. And he, he ultimately didn't. So I kind of always thought it was, okay, they're just doing this for the pub. And, hey, look, it is Lee Steinberg. That's super cool. I, did, were, there, were there actually at the time expectations that Vince would make the team and play? Um, it depends who you talk to. I mean, people okay. looked, at, looked at his resume and, and, and looked at, the I think, the 
fact that the Rough Riders quarterbacking situation was up for grabs. And, and it was intriguing thinking, okay, if he can somehow recapture even 80% of what he had, that's interesting. I mean, oh, he yeah. has a big arm, not necessarily a pure throwing motion, but he had a strong arm, mobile. Um, he's in, in a lot of ways, he seemed like a real quintessential Canadian Football League quarterback, the type of quarterback I think once upon a time the, the NFL wouldn't have even given a shot to. And, uh, and uh, so there was that question, then, but there was always a specter of he's about to turn 34 years of age. And uh, that tempered a lot of the uh, enthusiasm, and ultimately it was proven that Vince Young was actually Vince old. But uh, <laughs> you know, because, well, of the Durant, because of the Darian Durant situation, I think people wondered, well, could this work? Uh, there was never, I think, the same curiosity about Paxton Lynch because of Cody Pajardo being here. Yeah, Vin- Vince Young, uh, man, if he, if for, if something had happened and he wasn't the third overall pick, whatever it was, of the NFL draft and ended up in Canada, he could have been an unbelievable Canadian Football League quarterback with all the tools uh, he had. Rob Van Stone of the Regina Leader Post with us on the sports cage. Uh, I enjoyed this line of number nine, Major Harris, uh, West Virginia, <laughs> right? Was it West Virginia? Okay, Uh, quote, Harris's football cards to games played ratio in Saskatchewan, infinity, is a very (laughs) well-crafted line. Well, he arrived on August 18th of 1991 and and was released on August 30th of 1991. And in those 12 days, that happened to be the period in which Bill DeBecky of Royal Studios took the Ryder football card pictures. So he appeared at a Ryder football card that season despite being here for not even two weeks. <laughs> oh, please tell me you have one of those cards. I wish I did. Oh, um, it's, uh, uh, I wish I was more of a, more of a collector like I used to be because, I mean, that would be worth at least a quarter on eBay now. <laughs> at least. It's the, it's the sentimental one. I have like a Harold Miner rookie card that when he was baby Jordan. And oh man, I spent like 15 bucks on that when I was a teenager. And uh, yeah. He could really dunk. He could dunk the hell out of the ball, right? But it turned out to be absolutely nothing. But it's always a reminder. Like my Todd Van Poppel rookie card. This guy's going to be the next great pitcher for the A's. And no, not... Not even a little bit. TC and Medicine Hat has some uh, has some suggestions for you. Uh, feel free to jump on any of them, Rob, or, or all of them. He said, uh, sure. what about Graham Harrell, Dalton Bell, and TC says, my homie J.T. O'Sullivan. J.T. O'Sullivan was a good one. I should have I should have included him. I actually wrote about him when he, uh, when he showed up at the Ryder Rookie Camp in 2012. This is somebody who started in the National Football League and, and – uh, uh, he was he was old for very old for a CFL backup. Spent a year here. Was a really interesting guy. I I, I think JT O'Sullivan should have uh, I should have found a way to get him in there. Dalton Bell. I remember Eric Tillman was so excited when they signed Dalton Bell. Uh, I think they thought he was going to be the just a great one, and he was a really really nice guy. I sat next to him on the plane on the way back to the 2019 Grey Cup or 2009 Grey Cup. Just a tremendous human being. So. Because he was such a nice guy, I just couldn't bring myself to put him on the list. <laughs> Graham Harrell was kind of like a, he was in a probably about an eight-way tie for number 11, and I decided to cut it off at 10. And, uh, and my 10 was kind of cheesy because I had Tom Clements there, and obviously he's an amazing quarterback, a Hall of Famer, but in seven games with the Riders, he had two, 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 two touchdown passes and 11 interceptions for a bad team with no offensive line. But... You know, Graham Harrell was kind of in that discussion. Okay, do I put him in at number ten? Do I put Dave Styerman there? Do I put 
well, any number of quarterbacks there. That was the weird. Yeah. It was easy to pick one through nine, but then I got the real log jab at ten. Yeah. Well, Graham Harrell, Texas Tech in the mid two thousands, is just the guy that we'll see in in American college in these pass happy offenses. Through for five thousand yards a couple times, forty five touchdowns. 48 touchdowns another season. That's the kind of guy we always kind of want to see in in Canada, right? Just to see what might happen when a Timmy Chang comes up here. Just guys who hum the ball all over the yard in the American game, bring him up here and let him fly. And it just, it never, it never became a thing for Graham Harrell. No, it didn't. And, uh, you know, he, and he ended up spending some time in the National Football League after, uh, after being here. I think he went to the Green Bay Packers from here. I think he requested his release from the Rough Riders. I mean, he came here at a time, too, when it was very early in the Darian Durant years, and it was pretty clear that Darian was going to be the quarterback for a long time, and he was. We never, again, I think it goes back a bit to what you were saying about Paxton Lynch earlier, about really was there ever a chance for him, mm-hmm. considering that it's Cody Fajardo above Paxton Lynch, and it was Darian Durant above, well, Dalt Bell was one of them, Graham Harrell was one of them, etc. There was a lot of them that uh, J.T.O. Sullivan, a lot of them spent time as an understudy to, Darian Durant, because he was kind of fragile toward the end of his career, but starting in 2009 and going right through the first half of the 2014 season, Darian Durant was as reliable as you get as far as being in the lineup. Yeah, for sure. Uh, This column was a real nice walk down memory lane for me, because I remember watching Tony Rice play some Notre Dame games on NBC. Major Harris, I remember the... I remember the excitement when he was in college. Pat Sullivan, oh, God, all of them. It's a it's a fantastic column. You should read it in the leader post, and you should embrace uh, heartily our good friend Rob Vanstone. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you making some time for us on a Friday. Oh, thanks for making time for us uh, yesterday, DT, and then congratulations on the on the new gig. I know you're going to do it spectacularly in Winnipeg as you as you did here, and you've set the bar very high. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. You bet there. Take care. Rob Vanstone, Regina Leader Post, with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. It is 4.57. Luke Mullender slides in at 5.05. We've got rider news, and we've got what we're looking for in the new collective bargaining agreement. What should the players be wanting? What should the owners be wanting? It's coming up in the cage. Wait on a Friday for Nelson Holmes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Luke Mullender, what's up, man? Oh, man, just uh, ready, ready for the weekend to begin. It's been a long uh, work week, but uh, but productive one. So I'm ready to roll for uh, and finish this Friday off in the cage. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, the big topic for us today is something spawned by Willie Jefferson on the old Twitter box. Uh, he put out, what? give me your top three priorities for what should be in the new CFL collective bargaining agreement. And I thought, oh, okay. Well, I have some ideas, and this is going to spawn some good conversation, and my ideas may be totally out of whack, so I thought I'm going to run them by my buddy Luke, and he's going to tell me if I'm on course or not. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right. Uh, we don't – it seems like – let me just start with this. It seems like GMs, at least they're acting like they know what things like the salary cap are going to be for the coming year because they're throwing out bonuses and three hundred grand to Kenny Lawler. It feels like GMs know what's coming. Do you get that same feeling? 
Well, they, they, if anybody knows what's coming, it's going to be the GMs, right? Because they're closest to them. I mean, the team owners or, or, or governors or, or team boards are, I mean, they're in constant discussion about the, the ins and outs of, of the money that's going to be available to them and, and where those revenue streams are coming from. So um, remember, we got to remember with Kenny Lawler, you know, that's, that's going to be a, that's going to be a tough contract. Like he's, he's really made himself vulnerable. 300 K um, as, as a contract salary during the year with no money up front. I mean, you know, with, with the Chris Jones ran organization, I mean, he's a vulnerable guy. So um, I'm not sure how that's going to play out for him, but yeah, I definitely think that the GMs have a really good idea of what's going to be in front of them. I mean, they really have to be at this point, because if you're yeah. not planning for that, that means the league isn't worried about its finances. And that means they, that would mean they were being careless. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Lawler if that cap number all of a sudden came in lower than uh, if, the, if the GMs and clubs got it lower than what I think they're expecting it to be. All right, uh, my first one is I want guarantees for players in years two and three of a contract. I want guys mm -hmm. to be able to sign multi-year deals, and the day they sign it, they're guaranteed money in year two and three so that there's some sort of incentive for them to say, you know what, I am going to sign a three-year deal with the Riders. Yay or nay? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I agree with that. And one of the things that I think you can do is, I actually think you can create a win-win in that situation for the players, but also the ownership, because the ownership is going to say, "Well, what's in it for us, right?" And, and we're the guys taking all the risk. So I think that you can you can actually do that and tell the owners, you know, and and in those contracts, we'll find a way to cap certain values on it. Um, you know, so, so it's a little bit more, it's controlled, but at the same time, you know, you're not, it's not a tough, there's, there's uh, leverage on both sides. When you say control certain values, like the amount of money that you can guarantee or how it hits the salary cap. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, probably the amount of money you can guarantee or, or maybe, you know, if you, if you have a, like, you know, uh, depending on the percentage that's guaranteed um there'd be an actual cap on the value of the contract right so okay i'm not sure how it would work but uh but, uh, but the reason why i'm saying that is because i think that in that way dt you can actually build out a win-win and i'm not and i'm not saying my i'm not saying that that's the way to do it i am saying that if you were to do that there'd be a way to go win-win for both parties in that situation is is there would it make any sense? I don't know if anybody would agree to it, but I ensure that you, the player, get your cash, but if we cut you, it's not going to count against our cap. It just came to my head. I don't know if that's yeah. possible or acceptable for either side. I mean, guys yeah, getting their cash. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's similar to an NFL or uh, that's an I mean, you know, I mean, ultimately you'd want to go somewhere between the NFL and, and the NHL, right? Well, yeah, the NFL with you, if you don't get it, if it's not guaranteed on the day you sign, you're not getting it. And we're going to start cutting you nice and early. Uh, the NHL is more the hard cap of, yeah. Well, the, and the NBA yep. is just guaranteed money, right? Like it's guaranteed. You signed it. You're going to get every penny of it uh, if you yep. if you meet that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, everybody's really chasing the NBA, but everybody's really far off. I mean, NBA is as close to a global brand as soccer is. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So guarantees in years two and three it promotes longevity within a team. Guys get what they're looking for. Clubs no, can no longer say, hey, uh, free agency is too active. There's too much going on. OK, we like that one. Uh, the second one I would propose 
is I want the minimum salary raised again. And I know it was raised to 65K in 2019, but what we're in danger of in the CFL is what every other league that acts like this has is you have maximum players and you have minimum players and you have nobody in the middle. So I want, pretend it's 80 grand is now the minimum salary for a CFL player. You'll have less money to pay to the top end players and guys who are putting their body on the line for seven months of the year in a dangerous and violent sport will take home real money. Higher minimum salary, Luke, yay or nay? Yeah, I think that we've learned the lesson uh, from, 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 from that experiment when we just raised the cap without, you know, putting, putting those addendums in. I think that, you know, the minimum salary is the way to go there on the higher side. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm in agreement with that too, because there are guys, you know, taking significant risks, um, out there, just like, uh, you know, the, the high end players. So, um, so it would be good because yeah, essentially what you're taking care of is, is the middle guy. Right. And, uh, you know, the last time we looked at this, this structure, it wasn't the middle guy that ended up getting the boost. It wasn't really even the, uh, it wasn't even really the lower guy getting the boost. It was just the, you know, primarily Canadian alignment, right? Yeah. And, and I, I say higher minimum, it it gets guys compensated. It rewards them and gives them a chance to keep playing football for as long as they want. But to me, I, I do not want an individual player cap. I don't want a position cap to say, well, you can only pay an offensive lineman $150,000. I don't want any of that because I want GMs to be free to throw around their money. And honestly, I want special players at positions to be able to be rewarded for, for what they make. Uh, where are you on the thought of an individual salary cap for, for a single player? Mm. No, I, I would rather just I would rather just raise the minimum. Okay, I'd, I'd rather raise the minimum base, and then I'd work on the guarantees and what guys can do. Like you said at the beginning, uh, the, the guarantees in year two and three, you've got to find a way. I mean, this league has to find a way to start creating, you know, the the um, the uh, longer ter- uh, contracts than just the one year commitments we're seeing so much of. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It was it was the beef again for the twenty twenty two free agency period of oh everybody's changing teams again. It's if well, even I mean, it's not the know, reality, it's the perception. The I think that it's I think that it's uh, I think that it's it's what adds to sort of the 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 feeling around the everybody switching teams again um thought it is the fact that there's only nine teams right if there were if there were one-year contracts in the nfl on 32 teams it wouldn't be a huge right like we it wouldn't be a, a massive massive focus um but because there's only nine teams and because because you have such an intimate fan base that that's really why it gets sort of that, that in my well, opinion at least that's why we look at it the way we do and then and the narrative is the way it is well because we we have a league where we have a quarterback who was the property of every single team in the league and we have yeah. Sean Lemon who I believe is two teams shy of having been playing for every single team in the league you, you go exactly oh, right that's a that is a lot of movement uh the third one I can't imagine there'd be much debate on the player's side better injury and insurance protection for players I don't need any more um, Jonathan Hefneys. Oh, okay. So, I think that, I think that, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm, 
I see, I see, I see things from sort of an owner standpoint on this one, but I, I, I do agree. Like, yeah, you know, you, you want to take care of uh, incidences like, like Jonathan Hefney, but you also want to avoid, um, yeah, I think that there would have to be some, some, some really strong parameters around the, uh, the extended healthcare outside of the game. Okay. Um, yeah. So, but, uh, but again, like, you know, by putting parameters around that, you could actually, you could actually support a guy like Jonathan Hefton, right. And, or a guy that's going through some severe troubles. It, it's, it, I think that that's, that's why I think that that's what you'd have to do is you have to make sure that there are strict parameters around who can get support. Um, and that's not a bad thing. That's just, that just is what it is because then everything's, everything's in black and white people who need support are going to get it. Um, you know, because I mean, there, there's some nightmare situations going on in other leagues around, you know, the uh, former players and and lawsuits around, you know, taking advantage of the, of the healthcare system. So you would want you would want something, and the reason why you would want to put parameters in there so it could be sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. As I look at my list of three uh, guarantees in years two and three, higher minimum salary, better injury and insurance for players, uh, I distinctly notice that they are all slanted toward the players, and I go, well, that's. They're not going to get all of them. I'm, I'm very, no. I, th- and this is, this is me just as a dude. I'm pretty pro player as, as this comes to it. Hey, they're taking the risk. Let's pay them some more. I get the owner side of it. Uh, there's got, there's got to be some things that the owners will be wanting and the governors will be wanting in this negotiation. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I mean, you know, one of the things that. I don't, I don't mean to just go back to players right away, but mm. I think that one of the things that I would also ask for as a player, cause you're right, you're not going to get, but you're not going to get all of them. So what you need to do is you, you need to get a few good ones and, you know, get a couple of them. Right. One of the things that I would want to do as a player is in the CBA is I would want um, some way um, to, to benefit off of the gambling revenue that the league is going to bring in. And then I would like that with the possibility to scale as the league gets comfortable and starts getting better at leveraging those partnerships. That's the one I'd want. So some sort of, and I, and and I, and what I would say to the league, yeah. What I would say to the league is you can keep your shared revenue on the merchandise. Okay. But yeah, uh, that's uh, what I would say. Any of these major sponsorships that are coming, because when Ontario opens April fourth to to they open gambling up wide April fourth and sports betting, there is going to be a flood of dollars coming into the market for yeah. everybody. And, who and, wants and a as a player, yeah, that's what you want to. That's what you want to be able to access. And and then that's what, as a player, though. I, again, you know, in every negotiation ultimately what we'd like to create a win-win so i would say that you know one of the one of the things you'd give back in that case would be the merchandising revenue because i think that there's a higher ceiling on the gambling revenue than there is on the merchandising revenue i'd agree on that for sure it's 520 we'll go to break one more suggestion came from a former cfl player about how to treat veterans we'll talk about that next as we continue with luke mullender in the cage 523 with the afternoon rush. The Riders have signed American defensive lineman Miles Brown and American defensive back Josh Nurse. Nurse was signed by the Baltimore Ravens as an undrafted free agent in 2020. He went on to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars and he suited up for two regular season games. And uh, Miles Brown, he was signed by the Arizona Cardinals as an undrafted free agent in 2019. Then he suited up for nine regular season games 
making four tackles. And I got a couple more tickets to give away. Big congratulations to our Hour 1 winner, Brad Cameron of Saskatoon. He's going to the Saskatchewan Rush game tomorrow night at the Sastel Center versus the Colorado Mammoth. And I got two more tickets to the game, so you can call me up right now. 306-936-6262. Toll-free 1-866-767-0620. DT. 524 talking about what should be in the new CFL CBA with uh, Luke Mullender. One suggestion that uh, got into the mix, which I don't know if this is exactly it, but I love the thought of this. Uh, it was Jason Vega, the former Elk Argonaut and, and Bomber, said national status for veteran American players. Say American players who have been in the CFL for five years, a team can have one or two of those guys and declare them national players. Luke Mullender, yay or nay? I think Luke's taking some time to ponder this one. Oh, over. There sorry. Hello. All good. He's back. Mute got you, hey? And he's muted again. <laughs> Ask the- we're good, right? We're right, good we now, go. yeah. So, yeah. so um, I, th- I thought we were already heading there. Um, but uh, I-, I like that idea. I've always liked that idea. I think that um, uh, – I think that – it, it would be, it's not as, it won't be as tedious as people think because there, there aren't a lot of, I don't think that at the end of the day, a lot of people end up qualifying for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that and now we have to be realistic. Um, national status in the Canadian Football League does not mean any type of special designations as far as actual citizenship goes and actual because that is a process that you know is arduous that and that millions of people's people are going through in canada to to even you know look at that so you wouldn't want to create that uh, a fast track avenue just because someone played in the cfl for a while right so um but i do think that uh, i do think it's it's worth pursuing and looking at um the one thing i would i would caution again is it's going to have to have a parameter around it because you still want to make sure that that the the, the kids from the u sport levels are getting their shots right and actual canadians are are you don't you wouldn't want that i can't see it happening yeah right because I, I just can't see it happening but you wouldn't want that rule to 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 turn around and bite you yeah when, when you mentioned we we have some form it already in the last cba uh the seven canadian starters became seven plus three Right, so you essentially have mm-hmm. to have ten Canadians. But if you're a veteran enough American, either with your team or in the league, we're going to consider you f- national for this part of it, and they'll be your three. But something like this would apply to a guy like Ed Ganey, who came to Canada and and stayed, was with the Riders for what five seasons, and and continues on. He would, under Vegas kind of idea, would be considered to be a national. That it, it gets tricky with you don't want to take Canadian jobs away because what. What are we here for? We're here for the Canadian Football League. So it's it would be yeah. it would be delicate, but I want some way I just want some way that veteran American players get the appreciation they deserve for being a part of our Canadian game. Mm-hmm. Well, I I get that. Um but again, right? Like I don't think we're talking about just a huge population of the athletes. I, I yeah, agree fair. with you, right? Like the guys that are, are major stakeholders and, you know, maybe you tag it to a team, you know, maybe you, in order to create that and, and maybe really make it work is, is you say, well, you know, we'll grant you national status if you play on the same team 
for X amount of years. Oh, there you go. Yep. So that might, and that, and that works both ways. Cause now, you know, you're, you're not only engaging that player in, 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 you know, in the league, but now you're engaging that player in the community. So now that now it becomes something where the community buys in as well and says, yeah, this guy is a national beast, but he's been playing for us for the last three years. And yeah. you know, like, uh, he's man, maybe that's what you do, T DT. You say, you know what? Hey, uh, we'll give we'll grant national status to a player that serves three years under the same team and signs and and signs a two year con two two plus year contract for his fourth and to, to the, um you know to guarantee that he's there for the fourth and fifth. You know what I mean? Yeah, because there's incentives to the players. There's incentives to the GM to bring yeah, him back. There's a win-win, right? Remember, DT, you got it. If you're yeah. going to, you know, and, and and that's the problem with the CBA negotiations historically. I don't think there's been much of a mentality where you find the win-win. So, again, that would provide another win-win situation for the league and the players. I like it. I like where that one's going. That's another good yeah. one. Uh, we got about 90 seconds. Anything you want to throw out as an idea of what either the owners or players need to be going for? No, I think we're on the right track with this conversation. Uh, again, I would throw in the uh, the revenue from um, gambling and and how to scale it as that as that continues to go up. Again, you, you create the win win by giving something back, and um, I think that uh, in order to really continue to buy into this league, they've got to get rid of that no padded practices thing. I think they should they should allow teams to at least practice once in pads uh, during a year. I love it. I love it, Luke. Thank you, yeah. brother. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. All right, fellas. Peace. Luke Mullinder, at Luke Mull 95 good enough to be with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. How about this zinger? You sign a two-year deal with the Riders as a veteran, one free Western Pizza. Boom. Yes. Done. Done. Or, or you know, you make a tackle, $3 off a pizza that night. Yes. Something in there. There's something in there that we can get done. 529. Eric Karolnik joins us at 605. We'll look ahead to the Grey Cup and assess the value of each of the futures bets for the teams. The Riders at four and a half to one. Is that enough to get you to wager on the Riders to win the Grey Cup? What about the Red Blacks? What about the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who have even longer odds? It's coming up at 605. Sarah Orleski talking hockey next in the cage. Five thirty-two. Want to shout out the folks at Nick's Service in Emerald Park. They're your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. I know the Stinger said we're going to talk NHL, but we need our U14 volleyball updates from Sarah Orleski. How are you, buddy? I mean, if that doesn't kick off everyone's Friday on the right note, what would? I mean, updates about the 14U club volleyball? Oh, yeah. I have a I have a pretty crazy Friday night plan. <laughs> yeah. Just is it going well or is it not going well? You know what? First match is uh, first game's about to get underway. Okay. So we uh, we'll see. It might be a good thing that we're talking right now. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm not one of those crazy sport parents. So you... as long as she's having fun, okay, that's the important thing. But um, yeah, busy like so many people. I'm sure that's listening, whether they're driving home and then on their way to hockey or volleyball or basketball, whatever it might be. It's, uh, it's a busy weekend of driving my daughter around to all of her different sports. Okay. Just between us, when's the last time you yelled at an official or a player on the opposing team? No, never. I, are okay. you kidding? No, 
I no. First off, I mean, I, it'd be pretty easy to pick me out most of the time, but yep. that is not my that's not my style. My actually, so my sister in law used to play university ball. My mother in law was known for being on a first name basis with quite a few of the officials. So we have vowed that that stops with the last generation. <laughs> there is no. <laughs> There is no yelling. It is all about respecting officials <laughs> going now. Very good. Yeah. Uh, TSN reporter yells at 15-year-old official would not be a exactly. great headline. Makes yeah. Him, uh, yeah, makes the official cry. <laughs> so, no, that will, those will not be a headline that you see anytime soon. <laughs> I love it. All right. Um, let's talk about the Winnipeg Jets because I'm afraid that I'm pretty convinced they're now missing the playoffs. Yeah, well, you know, so you you are more of a numbers person than I am, um, but it's not good. <laughs> I, I certainly don't. I mean, look, there would, I think that I've looked for a while and said, even before they went into the all-star break and said that they just, and I think we've discussed it, to be able to not only make up those points, but to be able to jump over the number of teams that you would need to. Mm -hmm. And then to be on this road trip right now, and you only get one point against Dallas, you've got one out of a possible four so far, you're going into Colorado tonight. I mean, and Denver, you know, it's, I was actually, I was originally thinking that this is one of those games where watch the Jets will come out and somehow you know, win this game 5-3 and everyone will be back on. And then you look at it and say, well, it is it is the Avs at home. It yeah. would be very tough. The Jets are 1-4-1 one, and one in their last six games there, and including a 7-1 loss in January. And Colorado is just so good. So not to yeah. say certainly that the Jets couldn't do it, but they will have their work cut out for them just like any team going into Denver does these days. You mentioned the points and teams at the moment, six points back and four teams they have to get over yeah. to get to that eight spot. And you've been, you've been pointing to that for weeks now as the four teams are the big deal, but you, they dump a game to Edmonton Calgary and get a point against Dallas. Those are teams that you are, that are in this playoff hunt, right? And to yeah. have dropped those, you now, absolutely positively well to me you've painted yourself in a corner where you have to beat Colorado to make up for the fact that you lost to Edmonton that kind of thing well and you know the what I think will become more interesting because look I again not mathematically eliminated yet but very close to it I mean it's just it would take monumental run for them to be able to get in right now so I think that for me what becomes the really interesting part is seeing how they continue to respond mm -hmm. um, down the stretch with this and what sort of games we continue to see from them. But obviously all eyes turn um, with just under a month now to go into the trade deadline. You'll hear about it. There's who knows ad nauseum on TSN as we, as we look ahead to it, but they have a couple of unrestricted free agents and what sort of approach do you, do you take with it? And if you are in that mix of, I don't know, five points back, well, does that change your approach for it? At what point um, at what point do you look at this season as being, yep, we need to add a piece and we're just going to give it our best shot? Or do you look and say, no, we can't potentially let Andrew Kopp, uh, Paul Stastny, or your two unrestricted free agents mm -hmm. go without trying to get something back for them? Yeah, that's and that's the thing. So as I was setting up to ask you the question, as we talked to Sarah Orleski of TSN, are they going to be selling on the March 21st deadline? And I thought, well, I need to dig back into their trade history a little bit. And 
there are there are not a ton of trades in the Kevin Shevel day off era. Like there are some big ones, but there aren't a bunch of there aren't a bunch of trades. You know what? He's about quality, not quantity. Okay, and I give it to him completely for it because that was the that was the narrative for so many years with um, Kevin Shoveldayoff and this Jets organization is that you never saw trades deadlines, and so it was big news if there was any um, form of a trade. And so his first trade that he had really done that was of note was the Evander Kane trade right. uh, way back when. But he has, I mean, he has done a few that have that have made the Paul Stastny one in 2018 when he brought him in was a really significant one that didn't actually none of us saw coming um that one was a huge surprise and then obviously Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Laine last year are your two most recent ones that are well and that were in season um that were very significant with it so it'll be interesting see but again it, it then it becomes down to an organizational philosophy as well because are you are you keeping on the chance that you may get in on that eight? Like, yeah, it's, I mean, and if you do, if you get in on that, if you get in that second wild card spot, you're playing Colorado. <laughs> right. So, it, you know, so then you get two home dates as a guarantee out of it. So that's a financial incentive to do it. But I just, again, I look at it and say that um, the number, the numbers don't look, the numbers don't look good. And it would just, yeah, it would take a Herculean effort for them at this point to do it. But you see signs of it. This is a team that hasn't, despite their struggles, hasn't, uh, certainly hasn't folded up yet. Yeah. Um, this is a team that's still looking to make a mark. So uh, as the deadline approaches, and as you mentioned, just under a month away, you mentioned Paul Stasny, Andrew Kopp, and Nathan Bolio, guys who are who are going to be unrestricted free agents what's what's the jibber jabber who who would be in play if the jets do decide who would draw interest from other teams i guess is the question from what you've seen well i mean andrew cop certainly i think for very versatile forward can play both on the wing and in the middle has played i mean everything has worked himself into for a bunch of the season in a top six role for the team um and then just before he got injured was playing on the third line with adam lowry but is smart can help you with face-offs can help you on special teams both power play and pk so i think he's one that will definitely draw interest and then you never know with the paul stastny as well i mean even though he's older a vet him he's another player that can help you both on the wing and in the middle as a depth piece going through you i mean we see it all the time with teams that are hoping to make that deep run into the postseason mm -hmm you know that you're going to have injuries inevitably that are going to crop up, especially when you look at how much hockey is being played between now and the end of April and the start of the playoffs. So you can never go wrong there too. And there are two players that I have such respect for in both dealing with them. Cause I think that they're top notch people and players to deal with, but then just the intelligence and the smarts that they have on the ice is, is something that would be worthwhile for any team to acquire. Sarah Orleski joining us on the cage. All right. Um, I saw this on Twitter today and I thought this is, I, I don't know if we need to keep doing this uh, if, as far as Jets fans go, but Patrick Laine, if you haven't heard, is crushing it in this little streak <laughs> in Columbus. Uh, 11 game point streak in which he has 13 goals and eight assists. Have you heard how well Patrick Laine is doing lately? Uh, haven't. Have you seen his suits? No, I actually Oops. haven't. 
Oh my DT. Oh, I gotta it, go. that is something that is something to check out. He is, he has upped his game in the, yeah, he is just at the forefront now of NHL fashion. It's okay. kind of has a bond villain sort of vibe going with some of the outfits. It is. Yeah. It's, it's something definitely to take a look at. Zinger, if you're able to uh, get a couple of those up there, maybe uh, next to Joe Burrow, see how he's doing compared to the NFL's fashion, Maven. <laughs> That's um, a total, exactly. I mean, I haven't seen the chains um, yeah. with the heavy diamonds and the, the Nike and the sunglasses. Well, just take a look at some okay. of them. It's, it's, they're great. Um, but, but so with Patrick Line being no. He's crushing this it. Was always, and this was always the concern. Look, he's had a really tough go of it. He's on fire this year, which is great. Uh, this part Lately. of the season, which is great. Because he he's had the tough start. He's had the injuries. His father passed away. I mean, there's just... And he, he is another one that to deal with him. He's such a likable person that you just... You know, you feel for him. Everything. Um, and so... When they traded him away, I mean, obviously what's helping soften blows that Pierre-Luc Dubois has played so well this season and has been, you know, their most consistent center. And so it's been a win-win situation, I think, for both clubs. Definitely, what do the Jets miss, though? They miss that pure scoring ability because as much as they have Kyle Connor stepped up, this is a team that we... The one thing we used to always say was we're never... we we're never concerned that this team wasn't going to be able to score goals Mm -hmm. because they always could. They might not have been able, they might not have defended really well and their (laughs) blue line might've been an issue, but you weren't worried that they were going to be able to score. That has been more of an issue this season. And they have missed having someone that has that pure talent of a Patrick line. Again, though, do I think that the trade has worked out Patrick in a, no, I I don't think he was going to sign here necessarily long-term. I think that he needed a fresh start. I think that the Jets were looking for um, if they were going to put the money into a player, they weren't looking to do it on the wing um, with line A. And so it's a move that worked out well for both, but you certainly, there was nobody DT that fired up the Winnipeg crowd like line A. He was must see. He was always must see TV because you just, you never knew what he was going to do. And then afterwards i mean when we could do scrums back in the day um you never knew what he was going to say he was just so from a reporter standpoint he was a dream well (laughs) he checked off every box and then as as a woman who hosts the jets games you might have been given away that million dollars for whatever grocery store when he scores five goals like (laughs) that potential was always there right but this is why i wanted to bring it up and i know we've talked about this before but it's being played. There's a re- revisionist history being played of what well, one you mentioned Dubois has been very good this year, but two, it was well, line a and Jack Roslovic are combined are fantastic. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Roslovic was never coming back to Winnipeg, right? Wasn't that the story? Well, I mean, it just, I think that there was his spot on the team. He needed to play in kind of that top six, in theory role and the top six for the Winnipeg Jets is an incredibly challenging spot to be able to break into when mm-hmm. you look at having at the time Patrick Line, Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle, Connor Merchant, who are you going to take out of the top six for it? And so there wasn't really a um, place for it. So even though Jack Roslovic was part of 
the deal and you don't want to diminish it. I mean, this was always a deal that's been seen as the Patrick Laine, Pierre-Luc Dubois deal. Yeah. And Rostovic's not lighting the world on fire. I think he's got fewer goals than Laine has in the streak. I just kind of want to reset to where we were when the trade was made and remember, okay, this this was what Laine was and this is what Dubois was and this is what Rostovic was. It's going great for Laine right now. I mean, gosh, 21 points in 11 games is fantastic, but it hasn't been 21 points every 11 games. Let's not let's not forget the cold stuff in the, in between. And Dubois yeah. is great. And, and again, they, I think that both organizations got what they needed from it. Right? They the Winnipeg Jets had been spending years looking, years looking for a one-two punch to go along with Mark Shifley. That was what they had wanted. They had tried to address it for a number of years. We all, That was what we always saw at the trade deadline from 2018 on for it. They needed that. They found it with Pierre-Luc Dubois. He has continued to elevate his game. As long as they can get him signed to a long-term deal with it, this is a player that fans will love. But he doesn't – fans love him. I think he's great. But he there's the only one Patrick Liney to me, yep. right? He just again he had that it factor. You had to recognize that he wasn't going to be playing a two hundred foot game. The defensive side of the game wasn't there, but you looked at what does he do really well? Well, when he's on, he scores like like few others and yeah. It's that it's so I think that both Columbus seems to have really the fans seem to have really embraced him. And again, when you look at when you look at his outfits ET, I'm telling you, it's, I, there's something else. I will take. I will definitely take a look at those in the commercial break. Final one, and just quickly, uh, Aaron Rodgers next season, Packers or not Packers? Oh, I, you know, for, okay, I'm going to say Packers. Okay. If he's playing, I'm saying Packers. I just cannot deal with another off season though of drama. I can't deal with the headlines of it. I can't deal with him you know, every week seeming to make headlines going on Pat McAfee's show and then it's something else with it. Nope. I don't want to know about what sort of cleanse he's on. I don't want, <laughs> nope. I just want to know when he is coming back to play. And I've always said, so the green, the Packers are the only team that I still cheer for in professional sports. I feel for your listeners right now that are riders fans or whatever fan they choose for, because I I feel when listening to everything and seeing everything that's going on in the drama with Packers, this is what fans always go through with their team. Oh, this is just exhausting for yeah. it. So I hope he's back. Um, you know, whatever with his idiosyncrasies aside, uh, certainly, I mean, he's their best option at quarterback right now. I'm not going to be feeling great if, if they go into the season and I don't know, Jordan Love is, is the QB. That's not what, you need to ride the Rogers train just a little bit longer. Yeah, you, you guys had to deal with it with uh, Brett Favre uh, and now Aaron Rodgers. Will he or won't he? And dear God, I'm with you. Call me when it's over. Call, let me know. <laughs> just let me know in June and I'll start. Let me know this. in June and let me know in June that he's staying. Exactly. I don't want all the drama for it. Just let me know he's staying because it could be, I can't take, you know, with as a Packers fan, who have been spoiled for a number of years, even though they haven't had the Super Bowl success and the playoff success that yeah. one would have hoped. You've been spoiled in terms of entertaining 
quarterbacks and entertaining regular seasons, successful regular seasons. I'm not ready for that to end yet. I need at least one more season. Zinger, you're a Packers that. fan, so I want to see both your faces when I say this. What if Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback nope. in the NFC North? What if that were a thing? Stop <laughs> the madness. <laughs> both of you right. look horrified at the possibility. Since I know you since I know you have him on right now, could you imagine what or you have him on your show often? Could you imagine what Arash Madani would say? Oh my gosh. He, he would he would not know which way to go. Sarah, thank you, buddy. I appreciate you carving out some time. Uh what's what's your team name? Your fourteen U team name? Uh they what? go their vision is what they're Go know, Vision. Go. Go vision. <laughs> yeah, maybe wild wildcats. Try wildcats. Maybe that's the one. Thank you, buddy. Look, I didn't come up with the name. Okay, I'm just here to <laughs> just there to cheer. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Everyone have a great weekend. Thanks so much, DT. Sarah Orleski at TSN with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. You really got to consider that when you're making a team name. Go vision. Go vision. I feel like that's an like I feel like that was like the sequel to the Intellivision back in the day, the video game system for your home. The Go like Go Vision. So like, is it, is it, it Wildcats. is it Go Vision or is it just, just Go vi- like Team Vision? Oh. Like the team is Vision. My head hurts. What's what is that? Yeah, that's not- Go Lasers. Yeah, like something. You have to have something that ends with an S at least, so people like know what's going on here. <laughs> that's so you know. Funny. You, Wow. Yeah, they're doing it. Uh, they they got to work on that. 551, Eric Carolla talking CFL with us at 605 in the cage. 555, sports sticker time. The Calgary Flames, they saw their extended win streak extinguished in dramatic fashion Thursday. Well, it was a lopsided game, 7-1 to one loss to the Vancouver Canucks. The Flames will now host the Minnesota Wild Saturday in the first game of a home-and-home, and and Sean Avery's pro hockey comeback, well, didn't last very long. The ECHL's Orlando Solar Bears released Avery from his contract on Friday. And, of course, Regina Pats gearing up for a big game tonight. They are in Edmonton to take on the Oil Kings. It's the first of three games in Alberta uh, coming up in the next number of days. The pregame show starts at 7.35 with the puck drop at 8 o'clock. You can hear it all. But the voice of the Pats, Dante DiCaria, starting at 7.35. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. For the CFL Transaction Wire, the Calgary Stampeders signing linebacker Shaq Smith of Maryland. Another Shaq, huh? Trivia time. How many teams in the Canadian Football League have a player named Shaq? Shaq Evans, One. Uh, Shaq, uh, Shaq Johnson of Ottawa, two. Shaq Cooper of uh, free free agent, but we'll count him three. Yeah, Shaq uh, Smith of uh, Shaq of Smith. Calgary, four. Uh, There's one more. Shaq, I don't know. Toronto has a halfback, Shaq uh, Richardson. I was there gonna are, say Rogers. It's Richardson. There's five Shaqs in the league now. That is a name I did not know before Shaquille O'Neal, obviously. Yeah. 1992, I think, was maybe the first year I saw him at LSU. So we have five Shaqs? Five Shaqs on on four teams plus one waiting to be signed. Wow. That's pretty. That's awesome. That's awesome, huh? <laughs> I, want, I, I wonder if, like, 
Is everyone named after the Shaq, the Shaquille O'Neal, the OG Shaq? Some of them have different spellings, right? Like uh, yeah. our Shaq is, is, is spelled Shaquel. Yeah. Some guys are spelled Shaquille. Uh, but yeah, I, I Shaq, Shaq Evans has said, yeah, no, I'm after Shaq, after, you know, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, but... But it's spelled, it's spelled differently. Didn't we think about that the one time? And wasn't like wasn't Shaq like a high school player when when yeah when Shaq Evans would have been born? Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, but I'm like oh five of them now. This is bring me more Shaqs. So uh, Hamilton, Montreal, uh, BC, and uh, Winnipeg, get off your butts. Bring us, yeah, where's bring your Shaq at? Where's your Shaq at? Huh? Right. What's the what's the next generation like? Because Shaq was was a trans a transcendent figure in the NBA and a name we'd not heard before, but was unique to him. Like, uh, are we, are we get gearing up for a lot of Kobe's making it into pro sports? Um, Giannis's. What's next? Giannis's. <laughs> Imagine all the Giannis Greek roots, all the Giannis babies across the world. Can That'd you? be amazing. Yeah. There's, I wonder what's the next one. Cause there was, I had never heard of a Shaq or a Shaquille before LSU Shaq. I wonder what's true. What's the who's the next transcend Tiger Eldrick? We're getting a lot of Eldricks coming soon. I think we would have seen Tigers by now if people. Yep. But I think I think the Giannis one is we're in a spot where, you know, in the next couple of years here, you know, I think Giannis might be the one to look for in the NBA. Uh, I just think of the father from my big fat Greek wedding being very happy if there were a bunch of Giannis's <laughs> running around. Let me tell you, you give me any word, I tell you how it's Greek. <laughs> 5.58, news is next. Aaron Karolnik talks CFL at 6.05 in the cage. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. 6.05 on a Friday, the sports cage brought to you by Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs. For over 65 years. He's one of the great CFL fans we have in our fair country and made a lot of money through a CFL fandom. Aaron Karolnik with us. What's going on, buddy? DT, I'm doing great, my friend. How are you? Things are uh, things are moving along here. Lots of lots mm. of change in the air in the cold weather here. Well, I mean, I never was fortunate enough to visit you in the beautiful city of Regina. I guess I'll have to make it to Winnipeg and say hello there. That would be all right. I know lots of places I can get Slurpees there, so I'll have to uh, <laughs> redo that. Yeah, end uh, of the game. Of course, you are you uh, and I are the prop masters on uh, TSN, and uh, we do we do a lot, and we're always looking right for profitable CFL wagers. So I went to the CFL futures bets and. It's already out there. Who's going to be the Grey Cup champion in 2022? Uh, without getting too far into it, who, as you sit right, as it sits right now, the nine teams, what they've done in free agency, what they have, who's the favorite to win the Grey Cup in your mind right now? I, yeah, I think you'd have to stick with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I know they've won two in a row. Well, I guess I suppose you could call it two in a row. One in 19, one in 21. And I think you have to consider them the favorite again in 22. They brought back. Many of their guys who were so good for them in 21, and think like back to that defense, how legendary it was, allowing the ninth fewest points in the history of the Canadian Football League. And they retained a number of those guys on offense. I understand they lost a couple of guys, including Kenny Lawler, Andrew Harris is out, but I think this is an organization that is able to retool and rebuild that foundation very quickly. I think you have to consider them the, the favorites. 
And the betting odds reflect that. Yeah, Bodog has them as the favorites at two and a half to one. Let's just run through all the teams. Saskatchewan, four and a half to one. Hamilton, five and a half. Toronto, six and a half. Stampeders at seven to one. Montreal at nine to one. Edmonton, 10 to one. BC, 12 to one. And the Ottawa Red Blacks, the best, the highest odds at 18 to one. And I saw those. I thought, okay, well, those numbers are great and fine. But is there any value in those so i put together a ranking of the nine futures bets by what i would perceive their value to be and i want your critical analysis of it i am ready to go give it to me dt uh in a class by itself this to me is by far the best bet on the board the ottawa red blacks at 18 to 1 remains a ludicrous price with what they've done in free agency couldn't agree more. I, I think that's clearly the best bet on the board, the best value bet on the board. And there were some 26 to ones floating around as recently as last week as well. So when you look at Ottawa, of course, Jeremiah Masoli, all the additions they made at receiver. I mean, this was a team, DT, that was literally devoid of talent at almost every single position. Caleb Evans, I may name have to may have to name my non-existent children after him, after all the money he made for me with his poorest performances week after week last year. So when you consider that and how they had nothing last year and all the additions they've made, I've been very impressed. But you also have to kind of look at it the other way. They were so, so bad. This is a team with zero continuity. So I think Mm. in many respects, the plus 1800 reflects that, reflects how terrible they've been the last couple of years. But Paul LaPolice, Mike Benavides, they have a lot of work to do. Because when you look at the best teams in the Canadian Football League, I mean, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, I would argue the Toronto Argonauts, I would argue the Calgary Stampeders, tons of continuity in so many respects, whether it's quarterback and the coach, the defense, the receiver groups and the, and the quarterbacks, that does not exist with the Ottawa Red Blacks. That being said, there's a reason they're 18-1. to uh, That, yeah. and, and well, there's many reasons they're 18-1. to I still think it's clear, especially in the East, because I think the East is also a big part of this. In my opinion, you're, you're avoiding the two best teams in the league in Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. So if that's the case, the East is is wide open, and I'm not sure Hamilton's going to be the powerhouse that we thought they would be to begin 21. Yeah, and by no means are we agreeing that Ottawa is the favorite to win the Grey Cup no. or even likely to win the Grey Cup, but 18-1 to 1 in a nine-team league with a team that improved like this – the, that's that is a big time value bet may never come through they might have a 10 percent chance of winning the gray cup but 10 percent and they're giving you 20 to 1 almost uh that is in a class by itself uh, i think the worst bet on the board is to take winnipeg at plus 250 uh there's just no way i could sit here in february try to forecast November and think that taking just two and a half to one in a strong West division is a good bet. To me, that's the worst bet on the board. I completely agree. And you're also tying up your money on February 25th until the beginning of December. I mean, you're talking about 10 months where you're locking in a wager where the payout again, two and a half to one, not nearly commensurate enough in in terms of value to lock in that type of money for that type of term. So I think that's one. And secondly, listen, I love the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, their roster, their coaching staff, their their management, their executive team, everything. But weird things happen in the Canadian Football League. An injury to one guy, a couple of guys, namely Zach Caleros, who has not been necessarily 
than most healthy, I guess, for the last year and a half with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, notwithstanding. Yeah. So I, I just don't see the value there. I think you'd have to, especially when you're talking about CFL futures this far out, have to be looking at 10 to 1 or higher for me to even consider laying any of my hard-earned dollars down. <laughs> when when would you consider a 2.5 to 1 on a team that – like Winnipeg, do you need to know they're going to clinch first place in the division? Like they're going to host the West Final? When what what time frame would you actually consider those odds? Well, and that's the thing, DT. When you're thinking about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, let's work out of the assumption they win the West again. They're hosting the West Final. I would say the leading into that week, they're probably what plus one fifty to win the Grey Cup, maybe plus one sixty. So it just doesn't make sense to lock your money up for ten months. Yeah. To- pick up a couple extra, maybe 20, 30, 40 bucks. It's, it's a novel idea in principle, but actually in practice, it's a very poor decision from a gambling perspective. Yeah. Uh, one, one Calaro's twisted ankle in training camp. And then all of a sudden you, you flushed your money down the toilet in uh, waiting for 10 months before you could even uh, reap the benefits. So Ottawa, the best bet in our mind, Winnipeg would right now would be the worst bet in our mind, even though Winnipeg is in our agreement, the uh, the Grey Cup favorite. Uh, I would have the second best bet being the Calgary Stampeders at seven to one, Hamilton third at five and a half to one, and BC would be my fourth best bet, getting BC Lions at twelve to one. Where if their quarterback does click, and I have no idea what he'll do, but if he clicks, they could be dangerous. Uh, pick any one of those and uh, agree with them or chide me for them. Well, I think I want to start with the BC Lions, who are by far the most intriguing team in the CFL, considering they're starting Nathan Rourke, who's making one seventh, one eighth, one ninth of some of the top starting quarterbacks in our league. So that alone gives them a massive advantage as far as they how they can maneuver their team and maneuver around the salary cap. We've seen it. We've seen some of their offseason additions, both offensively and defensively, bringing back Burnham and Lucky Whitehead. So many impressive additions on the defensive side of the ball. But again, my concerns for BC sound a lot like my concerns for Ottawa as far as continuity goes. And it might be a while before we see this team really gel. So what I would always caution people to do when looking at CFL wagering, hold off because rushing, and I guess when you're talking about an 18 to one price in Ottawa, it's unlikely that's going to remain if they start the season two and zero, for instance, or three and one, if they get it off to a hot start, but I don't foresee these teams getting off to hot starts and, I th- again, I think going back to the West versus East predicament, mm-hmm. a team like ha- Hamilton at plus fifth, plus five fifty, or a team like Toronto at plus six fifty, I don't think those are are terrible wagers because there's a very, very good chance at least one of them will be playing in the East final. And I, again, I like the value on Ottawa. I'm not necessarily sold that they are up there, and as far as talent goes, with Hamilton and with Toronto. And in talking to a couple people this afternoon about this very subject. A lot of buzz about the Toronto Argonauts in that they have a number of players who are in prove-it seasons. Think about Brandon okay. Banks and Andrew Harris. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, I think, would qualify as well. Ja'Garrett Davis on the defensive side of the DeVarce ball. They've been very Daniels. aggressive in free agency. And, and I think this is a team that has a lot of players that look back at that game they hosted uh, where they had the opportunity to get to the Grey Cup, and they kind of blew it in the second half. And maybe this is a team that can get past that threshold this year. Toronto six and a half to one as we talk to Aaron Kronick. What do you make of the Riders at plus four fifty, four and a half to one to win the Grey Cup? That one I I like some what the Riders are doing. I again it's the West and uh 
those odds are really short for for the challenge that faces the riders. I, I agree. I don't see any value there. I mean, if I was pricing the riders, I'd probably have them as the second favorite in the CFL to win the Great Cup. I think that's fair. I think we know the injuries and some of the unfortunate circumstances that afflicted the Saskatchewan Rough Riders last year. And if you think that this offense can get going this year, I mean, a litany of weapons, assuming good health for Kyron Moore, recovering from that injury, and of course Duke, and of course Shaq Evans, who had a brutal year by his standards. I mean, we've seen him on social media talk about how he is so pumped up and so ready for a big bounce back year. And if that's the case, I mean, there's no reason the Saskatchewan Rough Riders shouldn't have the best offense in the CFL because, in my opinion, they have the best weapons in the CFL. And if that's the case, and we know the defense, yes, they lost a couple of guys on that front, but Saskatchewan has been so good about patching up those holes year after year, uh, at least in the last couple of years, that is. So I really like Saskatchewan, but I just don't see any value there at plus 450 when it comes to laying a wager this far out. Yeah, that that feels to me like one you might ride for the season. And if they lost a couple games in a row and it ticked out to six or seven to one, okay, well, now I start to get interested. But 450 at this point, I'm not so much in on. You mentioned you would want 10 to one or better. We've talked about Ottawa at 18 to one, BC at 12 to one. The Edmonton Elks at 10 to one. The floor is yours. Perhaps the most intriguing team in the CFL, the Chris Jones factor, a big part of it, the unknowns at quarterback. Although if I hear the name Taylor Cornelius and starting in the same (laughs) sentence, I will bet every penny I have. And there's not that many pennies, unfortunately, but whatever pennies I can find, I can scrounge up here in the province of Ontario. I will be laying against the Elks because I I thought Cornelius was just a disaster. I don't believe in him as a legit starting caliber quarterback. I find it hard to believe that Chris Jones does. But I like Nick Arbuckle. I think he's got a lot of potential, and I'm very eager to see what he's able to provide, assuming he's given the reins there in Edmonton. They've got some good weapons there, mm. and we know we know a couple of guys will be returning so on the offensive line as well, so the continuity will be there. But this was a team that clearly just despised what was going on with coaching and with management last year. It was so reflective of their performance on the field, and – you think back towards the end of the season, then playing those three games in seven days to close the year. And a lot of the reason we love Nathan Rourke, or at least we're optimistic about Nathan Rourke, is because of what he did to Edmonton in his final start, if you recall, just torching them up and down the field at home in BC. So if that is something that we believe is here to stay with BC and Nathan Rourke, maybe that's a place to look. But I'm not necessarily sold on Edmonton being nearly as bad as they were because top to bottom, an unmitigated disaster. And that resulted in a complete house cleaning when it came to that Elks organization. So I think a brand new slate there, and I'm really eager to see what Chris Jones is able to, to construct uh, both on the field and I guess off of it as well. Yeah, I for, for them, I'm waiting for year two of Chris Jones before I even contemplate a team that could win a, a Grey Cup. You mentioned, I mean, Kenny Lawler, Darrell Walker, James Wilder. Okay, that's that's a good place to start. Tavon Smith as the Canadian. Okay, okay, we're good. Uh, Aaron Grimes, Ed Ganey, Nafiz Lyon, defensive backfield. Deion Lacey in the middle, fine. No idea who's going after the quarterback in that front four. But I'm, I'm waiting for year two. I would need, I don't even know what I would need to bet on the Elks, 25, 30 to one. I just don't think they're in contention this year, especially with if they don't go with Nick Arbuckle. Oh boy. It's, it, I don't even, I, a very a last place finish is not, not out of reach for the Elks. 
Absolutely. In the West, for sure, that would definitely be within reach. And you think about the idea of running Cornelius out there. I mean, they gave oh, Arbuckle a big deal. I know I know it was before Chris Jones signed, but it's still uh, – the reality of the situation is that Nick Arbuckle is a guy who's proven it to some extent in the CFL. I want to see him given a legitimate opportunity because he really hasn't got one, whether it's been in Calgary or in Toronto. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I just – I, I'm afraid that, that he's going to get uh, cap crunched by the time uh, by the time training camp rolls around, and they're just going to go. If uh, I'm with you, if if I see Cornelius out there, come on, man. Oh. come on, what are we doing? What what are we doing in, in this league? Well, I mean, if anything, it brings back our great joke from the uh, TSNS Broadmasters: the dawning of the age of Cornelius. I oh. suppose it's already it already dawned, and ooh, it was a tough. Dawn, no doubt. We will be ha- we will be hammering the under on the win total for the Elks, uh, whereby we were hammering the over this past season. Uh, yikes! Yikes! Uh, follow him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Karolnik, TSN Edge, TSN Radio. Thank you, brother. Great to talk to you on a Friday. My pleasure. Have a great weekend, everybody. Aaron Karolnik with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their special. Zinger, did we talk you into or scare you out of any Grey Cup champion wagers? I'm, I still like the prospects, or I like the odds of Ottawa. Like that's, that's one I think that's worth putting a $20 bill on. There's no doubt about it. So that that one, and also uh, I think the Calgary stamp. Uh, what was Calgary? Seven to one. Cal- I think that's a decent one too, uh, honestly. So those are the two that I kind of like the most. Calgary hasn't gotten a lot of talk yeah. in free agency, but the receiving core: Bagleton, Jordan, Jordan Williams, Lambert. If they if they wade through some injury concerns, yeah. Okay, good start. What's happening at quarterback? Them for. Seven other teams is a real concern. Their defense looks looks all right it's, as well. They're going to be a problem in the West, it looks like. Yeah, and it, it's worth it, too, because we all know you just got to make the playoffs win a couple games, and who knows, you could be going to the Grey Cup. So it's definitely worth the 7-1 to odds to put something down on it, in my opinion. They've been in the play Them, uh, them Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg have been the playoff teams yeah. in the West the last two seasons, right? So uh, if, if they... For all these teams. BC, if the quarterback's right, okay. They're, they could be a problem. Edmonton, no idea what's happening there. Montreal, no. Toronto, falling off. Hamilton, okay. But AK, I think, nailed it. That they're not the powerhouse in the East that they have been the last couple of seasons because talent just wants to go somewhere else. It will be uh, yep. intriguing, and we'll keep you uh, going on this as we look forward to the 109th Grey Cup. Where where is that game? By the way, is it just over there? It's down Saskatchewan Drive. There, oh, there's a there's a field right with seats. If you look, oh. and it's a pretty nice stadium. It's big, happening there. Big green thing. Big green thing. Love it. Yes, love it. November 20th <laughs> here in Saskatchewan. 6:22. More coming inside the cage. 25 on a Friday. If you got a deposit down for the pre-order for the Sean Avery Orlando Solar Bears jersey when he signed on Wednesday, get that money back. Man, I can't believe I spent all that money on that. <sighs> I I kind of want to know what the hell happened there. They signed Sean Avery 10 years after he left the NHL. Hey, we signed Sean Avery to a standard player contract. <laughs> and today, hey, by the way, we've released Sean Avery. So it was either... He got into the locker room and they realized, you know, what a horrible decision this was. Yeah. Or they got him out on the ice 
and he was like flopping around everywhere, I, something like that. I, Either I, or. I kind of need both. to know what the deal uh, with that one is. That is uh, the story of Sean Avery continues. Uh, Russia, of course, things are happening. Russia's been stripped as the host of the 2022 European Curling Championships. The Champions League final moving from St. Petersburg to Paris. Paris. Uh, a Russian tennis player, Andrei Rublev. Playing at an event, won his match. You know, you go over and you sign the front of the camera. He instead wrote, no war, please, on the camera after a semifinal win in Dubai. Mm -hmm. Alex Zovechkin, speaking to the media today, said, I want peace for everyone. I have friends in Russia and Ukraine. Uh, did not criticize Putin. Perhaps not surprising. He not did, surprised. He did pull out the uh, I'm not a politician, I'm an athlete line, which rings a little hollow when you I campaign for a guy. I thought, yeah, and I, and I thought too, I thought athletes don't want to be like known as that, like as far as like in the NBA. Remember the shut up and dribble thing? Like for LeBron James? Like, yeah. You, you got athletes that want to be more than an athlete, and then you got athletes that are just. You know, they they involve themselves in politics, but when, you know, it hits the fan, then that's when they're like, oh, but I'm just an athlete. Well, well then, you know, it's... <laughs> then shut up the other times. Yeah, it's right? just, it's that, that that's the part there that's just like, come on. But anyways. Yeah. yeah, and that's why folks don't get involved, right? Can you imagine, pretend, pick a pick an unnamed CFL player. We won't name one because I don't want to pretend yeah. that... Anybody is associated. But pretend that in the last campaign, a CFL player, a prominent Canadian CFL player, had campaigned for either alongside Justin Trudeau or Andrew Scheer. Can, or forgive me if I, if uh, Scheer was the, mm. the leader of the Conservatives or was Aaron O'Toole. Forgive me. I, oh, the, I try not to pay attention. Yeah, the to last election was, was Scheer, I'm pretty but sure. Yep. You, had you campaigned next to, or, or to, to a lesser extent, Jagmeet Singh, but had you campaigned next to one of the conservative or the liberal leader mm -hmm. in the last, you would be painted forever in certain parts of the right. country, right? And no, it's that's true. what that's what Ovechkin's going through now. Mm -hmm. And if you're if you're gonna do it in the good times, to me, you got to do it in the bad times too. Or, I mean, is the media gonna boycott Ovechkin? No, but it's gonna change the way we look at you when yeah. you say the things you said today of uh, uh it's a hard for both sides put it's like, hard on both sides kind of put himself yeah he put himself in a tough situation there you should have never you know made it public that he was supporting the guy because uh, well who's to expect though that he that putin was like capable of something like this though too well, at the same time but we all he did roll knew. through crimea in 2014 it's true <laughs> which which That's led to true. this one and uh there's a lot of awful stuff in, in yeah. there um yeah, it has been a week for us here on the cage. Pats hockey, eight o'clock, Edmonton Oil Kings pregame show, seven thirty-five. Last time Wednesday was guaranteed win night. This is not guaranteed win night, but we're rooting for the Pats. This is guaranteed. Skate your butt off night and play hard against them Edmonton Oil Kings. Yeah, that's what tonight is. Who are gearing for a run at the uh, Memorial Cup? Yes, with trades they made early in the season. Caden Gooley, the former Raider, one of their top pair defensemen. Now they're they're going for it. So a good challenge for the Pats tonight. Dante DiCaria at seven thirty-five. Uh, we're out back Monday with suits and uh, Luke Mullinder and so much more. The Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM.